It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blue's Disney On Demand. And this week for show number 61, for the week of January 30th, 2014, we have all kinds of fun as we're going to head on out to Walt's Original Park Disneyland. That's right, as we're going to welcome author, photographer, and man behind seen and unseen Disneyland, Russell Flores, here to the show. That's right, Russell's going to stop in and talk about his fantastic book that takes you into all the photographs and the fun of all the little nuances, niches nooks, crannies, and maybe those things that you just haven't seen or paying attention to at the Disneyland Park. And he's going to talk about a variety of different things about his book, what got him started, his favorite photographs, and maybe you might have some things that we're going to toss his way as well and put him on the spot. In addition, the skeleton crew is here this week, D-Heads. That's right. Maybe it's the Super Bowl. Maybe it's this winter vortex. But nonetheless, you have the skeleton crew here at Disney On Demand here this week as there's only two of us. Yes, myself and Aaron. And Aaron is going to stop in as part of the D-Team and dip his hand in that virtual mailbag and answer all your questions with I Want to Know. You have tons of questions to kick off 2014 and Aaron is going to answer them the best he can. And we are not slowing down. Even though it's the skeleton crew and people are having Super Bowl parties, Maybe they're just bundling up around a fire because of this winter vortex cold in the Midwest and the East Coast. But we have tons of news hot off the D-Wire. There is stuff all over from games, parks, and more hot off the D-Wire here this week, all of you D-Heads. So, with all of that said, all of our fun, all of our excitement, we are here in 2014. And I'm hoping to get a little bit of that warmth while we're talking to Russell about Walt's original park Disneyland. So to kick off show number 61 for the week of January 30th, 2014, I'm going to do it slightly different. Instead of kicking it off with a big bang, let's kick it off with a little Disneyland ballad that you may or may not remember. I'll be right back, all VD heads. Hot Sunday night, I guess the folks were busy fighting. Joe'd already left home, eleven years old on my own, feeling nothing but lonely. There's nothing to do, there's nothing out there but the traffic down on State 93. So I'd sit through the night by our old black and white TV. And that's where I saw it, and that's when I heard it. Colleen, Colleen, me. Disneyland, Magic Kingdom, Disneyland. I close my eyes real tight, wishing hard I might. Wishing hard I may find my way to Disneyland. Gotta get to Disneyland. 
on a western breeze Magic carpet, please carry me away Oh, I know you're gonna say the trees are paper mache It's done with mirrors, the magic there Each little bird's full of springs You press a button, it sings recorded music in the air They've had the mountain refaced It's only plywood and paste Go on, say it I'll turn around and tell you I don't care I don't care I will live in Disneyland Make my home in Disneyland Maybe it's all fake That's a chance I'll take It's perfectly California, the world's first modern theme park. Opened in 1955, it set the standard with innovations the likes of which were never seen before in the amusement park industry. And that trend continues to this very day. Disneyland Park and Disneyland's California Adventure Park, along with three hotels and a vibrant shopping and entertainment district, makes up the Disneyland Resort. Get ready to go behind the scenes as we uncover the mysteries of how the happiest place on Earth has remained just that for over five decades. You're listening to Disney On Demand. This is Corey Burton saying, please keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the headphones at all times. Thank you. Kingdom full of endless dreams for every girl and boy. Wondrous stands and make-believe will fill your heart with joy. So leads the entranceway to seven lands and more. Step inside our storybook, imagine what's in store. It's all pure magic, wrapped up in pixie dust. In pixie dust. Welcome to a place where dreams come true. A timeless journey through lands of fantasy. Mark 
Disney Blues. Disney on demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all of you D-heads, so you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. Welcome back once again to the show. As I mentioned, we have the Winter Vortex. It's Super Bowl weekend, but we are not slowing down here at the show for show number 61 for the week of January 30th, 2014, because we have Russell Flores, yes, author and photographer of Seen Unseen Disneyland, stopping in here at the show very shortly. But we have all kinds of fun on the horizon, all kinds of news, so before I jump right into the news here this week, all of you D-heads, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected with us here at the show, and first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com, that's D-I-Z Radio. Com. There you can find our full list of past shows, our archives, and more, including our Lifetime of Disney Player. You can connect up with the D-Team and more right there on their website, DizRadio, D-I-Z Radio.com. And remember, you can always connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can also follow us on Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, and more. Just search Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You and Diz Radio, D I Z Radio. So, all of you D heads, with that said, we have all kinds of news, a lot of things hot off the D wire here this week. So, let's just jump right into news right away. And how about Disney looking to bring back Winter Soldier directors for Captain America 3? That's right, Captain America the Winter Soldier is still more than two months away from being released in theaters. But according to a report from Variety, Disney is already pursuing directors pair Joe and Anthony Russo for yet an unofficial third film in the series which would be its fifth to feature the Avenger, Captain America. That's right. So far to this point, only Jon Favreau and Joss Whedon have directed more than one picture for Disney Marvel's feature film continuity. But to bring back the brothers, if true, they are going to help this just catapult Captain America to a new level. Now, there hasn't been any official comment from Disney, Marvel, or Rooster's representatives, but it is more than likely to be official. Now, we are excited for this. Captain America the Winter Soldier is hitting theaters in two months, and if they bring him back for a third film, I have to say, Captain America has proven to be just an awesome character on film. I mean, I remember the old Captain America film made for TV and the uh, the TV series and all that, so as campy as that was, this new one, I'm all for a third film. Now, moving right along, and let's get to the small screen, something that's been of high of debate lately here on the Disney Channel. And how about the Disney Channel featuring its first lesbian couple on Good Luck Charlie? That's right. This last week provided a big moment in TV history. Some are upset about it, some aren't. As in this episode, Charlie's parents, Bob and Amy, are surprised when their daughter's new friend from preschool arrives at the house for a playdate with both of her moms, played by Desi Lydic and Lily Birdsell. Now, back in June, Disney announced its intention to take the small step toward equality with an official statement to TV Guide. But Disney Channel understands the groundbreaking nature of featuring a same-sex couple on one of its sitcoms and took extra care in crafting the episode. This particular storyline was developed under being consulted by the child development experts and advisors in their fields. Disney Channel has said we wanted to treat this with care 
And this is Disney Channel programming. It was developed to be relevant to kids and families from all around the world in all kinds of cultures. Now, Disney Channel already tested the waters last year with its on-air social outreach campaign, Make Your Mark, where in one segment, a teen with two moms was featured and a move that was called Big Step Forward by Glad. Now, this is just all over the boards lately. Some people are outraged, some people aren't. You know, just wherever you lie, but it is a monumental moment in TV history for Disney Channel. Now, moving right along, let's stay with Disney Channel, and how about Disney XD? Now, my boys love Disney XD, the boy TV network there, and how about Disney XD introducing Chopper, the newest droid to the Star Wars universe. That's right, in Star Wars, droids are always eager to help out their human masters, drop whatever they need to do, and even sacrifice themselves to save others. But Chopper is the all-new, lazy, cranky, but good-hearted astromech droid and the latest character revealed in the highly anticipated Star Wars Rebels animated series. Now, if R2-D2 is the family dog, said Dave Filoni, executive producer of the show, Chopper is the cat. Chopper is an essential crew member of the Ghost, tasked with keeping the starship running and operable in its band of heroes. In reality, thanks to his many unique upgrades and customizations, no other alien, human, or droid could handle the job. Now, the design of Chopper, a.k.a. C-110P, takes cues from early Ralph McQuarrie concepts arts for R2-D2, especially the expressive arms that fold out of his head. Now, as Star Wars Rebels takes place four years before Episode Four kicks off, Chopper's retro look creates an aesthetic continuity with all the droids of the original trilogy. Now, Star Wars Rebels, which I am personally excited for, is scheduled to premiere fall of 2014 as a one-hour special on Disney Channel, followed by the series on Disney XD. Now, since we are talking about Disney animated things, how about Frozen? And Frozen is a huge phenomenon. Everybody loves Frozen, and this last week, Disney's Frozen soundtrack regained its number one spot on the Billboard charts. That's right, the soundtrack to Disney's Frozen can't seem to let it go, as they say, as this week it returns to the number one spot on the Billboard 200, selling over 93,000 copies during the week ending in January 26, according to Nielsen SoundScans. That is up 7% compared with its sales the previous week. Now, the soundtrack features performances by a variety of different people, including Broadway's Indina Menzel, Josh Gad, Jonathan Groff, and features original songs by Academy Award nomination team of Christian Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. Now, Frozen is the first soundtrack to spend at least three weeks at number one since 2007, when the TV soundtrack to High School Musical 2 ruled the charts. Now, this is fantastic. I mean, this is huge. I mean, Disney is just knocking it out of the ballpark with Frozen. Everybody seems to love it, and the film is fantastic. I think Disney has definitely hit a mark, and Disney is back in action. From music, movies, and more, I'm excited to see, I guess, a third rebirth of Disney. If Little Mermaid, Lion King, and all those was the second rebirth, this definitely is the third. Now, pushing right along with Disney, how about Media Prima renewing Disney deals? Now, Malaysia's largest family-integrated media group, Media Prima BHD, has renewed its multi-genre volume deal with the Walt Disney Company of Southeast Asia. That's right, this will allow the group to bring contemporary and classic blockbusters and television series for its children networks online video portal. That's right, the deal was made available to Disney's blockbuster releases such as Marvel's The Avengers, Real Steel, Fright Night, John Carter, Enchanted, and movie franchises such as The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Pirates of the Caribbean, 
and more. Now, in addition to the blockbusters, Marvel's Agents of Shields, Once Upon a Time, Resurrected, Twisted, and Mixology are all going to make their debut as part of Media Prima Television Networks as well. Now, viewers can also catch returning titles such as Revenge, Criminal Minds, Once Upon a Time, Switched at Birth, and Disney Animations to catch the younger audience. Now, this is huge for Disney's Southwest Asia market. Now, renewing this is going to help spread the Disney cheer all over and really help Media Prima just, you know, really populate the airwaves and their online portals as well. As Disney has said, we are pleased yet again to deliver an array of exciting and highly acclaimed international blockbusters and television series to viewers all ages around the world. Now, moving away from all the cinema and that kind of fun things with Disney, let's get to the Disney parks in a roundabout way. How about Sinji, and I hope I'm saying that right, it's S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y, Synergy? I'm not sure. Synergy? It's Either way. Synergy Tile is shipping over 20,000 tiles for Disney World this last week. That's right. 21 years ago, husband and wife team Lee Gruber and David Junko were driving through Pennsylvania on a pleasure trip when they stopped in Dolestown at the home of Henry Mercer, who was an early 20th century tile artist. They were so inspired that they learned as much as they could from the ceramics of Mercer at his home, bought some books, and started their own tile company in Silver City. Now with a crew of over 20 artisans, their company has shipped off over 20,000 tiles to the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando this last week. As they have put it, we are delighted to have this order. The process to make the tile that will be on display by mid-February in Disney started with the standard wet soft clay. We really, really strive for handcrafted and handmade items. Now the clay gets shaped through one of three methods through cookie cutter processes, cutting tiles into shapes or by pressing tiles or extruding the tiles as well. Now these tiles that were chosen by Disney are cut into diamond shapes. Now according to Gruber, who is president of the company, working with Disney is a lengthy process. We worked with the showroom and all the people to make sure that they were all the best tiles that they could get. Now the tile that shipped out this last Wednesday is going to go on the walls in the public restrooms at the Port Orleans Resort in Walt Disney World and the resort is planned to carry a French Quarter theme. Now this is all new and basically the restrooms are going to get an all-over makeover for Disney. Now continuing on with all the fun things in Disney news, how about Disney gifts bringing smiles to children in a hospital in Kentucky? That's right, everybody loves, you know, bringing smiles to children in the hospital and a bit of Disney magic was sprinkled across the children's wards at one Hampshire hospital in Kentucky to help chase away the January blues. That's right, poorly youngsters at Southampton General Hospital received a special visit from staff Active Nation who handed over a hundred toys to help keep them entertained during their treatment. The team had teamed up with the Disney store in the city to make a special delivery that brought smiles to all their faces. They had a variety of different Duffy Bears and more on hand. And come on, it's just another way that Disney is reaching out and bringing smiles to all those places. I mean, it, you know, it, it's nothing better than seeing a smile to these children who are in the hospital and can't help it. And Disney store in Kentucky has helped them with Active Nation to bring those smiles to the children. Now, getting into some games, how about Disney's Magical World coming to Nintendo 3DS Spring of 2014? That's right, kids out there have their gaming systems, my kids have theirs as well. Well, in Disney's Magical World, players pick from a selection of characters that can customize with Disney-themed official outfits and accessories. You can put it on your Minnie Mouse ears, hang out with Mickey Mouse and Minnie, or wear bunny ears and spend some time in Wonderland with Alice and the White Rabbit. You can get goofy with Goofy, 
ducky with Daisy or enter a whole new world with Aladdin and Jasmine. Now the personalized character explores the world of managing a cafe, planting crops and collecting Disney character cards in the new magical world. Now favorite Disney characters also join in the fun to find missing items and solve problems. Now Disney Magical World allows gamers to interact with Disney characters in a variety of Disney themed worlds to find missing items, solve problems and to beat all kinds of monsters. Now this sounds like it is going to be a blast and Disney's Magical World is coming to Nintendo 3DS spring of 2014 and it is going to be released April 11th, 2014 this year. Now in staying with gaming, how about Disney launching Korean mobile game Marvel Universe Run Jump Smash? That's right, this week Disney launched Marvel Run Jump Smash, an endless runner game from a Korean developer. That's right, this new title is an action-oriented, side-scrolling, endless runner featuring superhero characters from Marvel's comics. It will debut for a dollar on the iPad, iPhone, and iPod Touch, Android, Windows-enabled devices, and more. You could classify this as a copycat game, but in this case, Disney is copying its other successful titles. The game is one more example of how big companies are invading the app stores and trying to take them over with power brands. Now, a Disney strategy isn't entirely brand-based. It is also using proven categories of games, as it has in the past, with great games like Temple Run Oz. In those cases, Disney is taking the proven gameplay of endless runners and inserting branded characters into them. And that's what's going to bring us Marvel Run Jump smash an endless runner game with non-stop action now players can battle as iron man hulk captain america thor hawkeye captain marvel spider-man and black widow and more characters are going to be added over time now the players have to dodge obstacles fight villains switch between superheroes and activate each other's special attack modes if they can progress into farther in the game now the backgrounds include familiar Marvel locations and heroes can collect coins to power up and boost their running distances. Check it out in the App Store for $1, Disney and Marvel's Marvel Run Jump Smash. Now, I'm getting to that point, all of you D-heads, we're going to take a break here in news. And like I said, it is a skeleton crew here this week, but there's a lot of news. And how about getting back to Disney Channel? I know, a lot of Disney Channel news here this week, but this one is just an announcement. And how about Disney Channel is still the number one network in total day for the 33rd consecutive month. Yes, you heard me right. Not week. The 33rd consecutive month. Yes, Disney Channel is TV's number one network in total day for the 33rd consecutive month in kids 6 to 11 and 45th straight month for tweens 9 to 14. Wow, they have hit the nail on the head with the Disney Channel. Now, getting back to the resorts here, let's just shift gears here. How about the Choctaw Dance Team in Tennessee to compete in the national championship this coming weekend? Yes, everybody knows that Disney hosts a lot of great competitions all over the ESPN resorts and more. And the Dyer County High School in Tennessee, their dance team is going to compete this weekend in the 2014 UDA National Dance Team Championship at the Walt Disney World Resort. Now, dance teams compete in divisions based on team size, grade and age level, and have the option to enter two of the following categories jazz, hip-hop, palm, and high kick. Now, each year there are an estimated over 10,000 spectators in attendance of the UDA National Dance Team Championship, 
and it's going to be broadcast live on ESPN2. Now staying with the Walt Disney World Resort, how about Disney World ponying up an all-new attraction? That's right, you heard me correct, ponies. Yes, there are all-new Clydesdales joining a herd of more than 90 horses and ponies at the Tricircle D Ranch at the Walt Disney World Resort. There is an all-new brand new baby Clydesdales at the Walt Disney World Resort. Yes, it ties in with the new year, the Chinese New Year, as it's Year of the Horse. Now their names are Gates and Rookie and they each weigh about 1,800 pounds and are 18 hands tall. Jackie Ogden, Vice President of Animals, Science and Environment for the Disney Parks, has noted. She also said a hand, which was originally based on a breath of a human hand, equals about four inches. Now, Rookie and Gates will be starting their training programming this week, and soon after, guests will be able to meet them during their wagon rides, which leaves from the front of Pioneer Hall at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort, carriage rides, and also Fort Wilderness Resort and the Port Orleans Resort. Brand new Clydesdales born into the Disney family. Now, finally, to close out this section of news, how about Wendy Williams? Now, I don't watch Wendy Williams, uh, just not my flair of show, but Wendy Williams has stopped by to show her Disney side at the Walt Disney World Resort this last week. That's right, Wendy Williams was at the Walt Disney World Resort on January 17th in Lake Buena Vista, Florida, as she visited the film resort segments for her Wendy Williams show. Now, these shows are going to air on January 30th for Sweepstakes Week, where viewers are going to be able to win family vacations to the Disney theme parks. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to take a break here. I'm going to get a drink. We have lots of news off the horizon, and we also have Russell Flores, author and photographer of Seen Unseen Disneyland, stopping in here very shortly as well, so get ready for that. But before I let you go, I do want to mention that Diz Radio is proudly sponsored by Pixie Vacations, and the agents at Pixie Vacations can help you plan your Walt Disney World vacation by Disney, Disneyland, or Disneyland Hong Kong vacation right there on their website. You can call them and speak with their knowledgeable agents and they will help you plan, book, and even make that itinerary for your most magical Walt Disney World vacation. Definitely check them out at pixievacations.com. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to release the reins here. We have Aaron here who's going to dip his hand in the virtual mailbag and answer all your questions with I want to know. So with that, I'm going to take a drink and uh, I'm excited to talk Disneyland with Russ here very shortly as well. So I'll be back with more news hot off the D-wire, all of you D-heads. Stay warm. Dragon whiskers, dragon toes, a dragon tooth, and the dragon nose. Every little piece, every little piece, we could make a million by slicing him, dicing him. Hoagie, we could sell every little shell. There's enough of him to go around. Money, money, money by the pound. Every little piece, every little piece I can take a scissor and clip him up, rip him up Every little part is a work of art Think of what a dragon heart would bring Wrapped up in a ribbon and a string Dragon liver can cure a cold Dragon powder grows hair With dragon blood you'll never grow old Every item is covered with gold Every item is covered with gold Every little piece, every little piece 
dragon, you're my wagon to destiny. You're the key, every little shred moving me ahead. Every dream of mine will be fulfilled. What a dragon business we can build. Dragon cartilage keeps you thin. Dragon fat is for burns. A dragon tear will clear up your skin. Watch the prophets come rolling in. Watch the prophets come rolling in. Every little piece, every little crease. I'll lead me to the dragon. I'll buy him up, tie him up, drag him from the cave. Show him that I'm brave. I'll bind him up, grind him up, lop him up, chop him up. Can't you hear that jingle? It's money, money, money by the pound. Listening to Disney on Demand, a new kind of Disney show, only on DizRadio.com. D-I-Z-Radio.com. It all began with a blank sheet of paper, a pen, ink, a man's imagination. Then color was added, and imagination became reality.
that's how the wonderful world of Disney was born. For the next two hours, we're going to celebrate the silver anniversary of the longest-running primetime show in television. It's been a happy part of my life. And mine. And of yours, too. So come join me and Suzanne and all of our friends. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. To Disney's anniversary. Hi-ho, 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 hi-ho. We want you all to know You're going to see a galaxy Of stars Hi-ho, hi-ho, hi-ho There's Minnie and Herbo And Donald Duck will run amok Hi-ho, 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 hi-ho We've got Pinocchio And Captain Hook, the dirty crook Hi-ho, 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 hi-ho Stop the show. I hope, I hope, I heed. Some dogs you're gonna see. There's Goofy, Pluto, and the Tramp. I hope, I heed, I hope, I hope. There's Charlie Apropos to celebrate this happy day. I hope, I hope, I hope. It's on the work we've done. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey D-Heads, this is Aaron and I'm back with another installment of I Want to Know. Hope everyone had a great week and that winter isn't being too rough on you. Virtual mailbag is spilling over so let's reach in and see what we have for this week. First question comes from Tom in Illinois and he writes, Aaron, Tom here from Freezing, Illinois. At the Walt Disney World Resort, everyone talks about each resort they love. I recently was watching an old episode of Full House and saw the Grand Floridian Resort while Jesse and the Rippers were playing. First, was there a different name for this resort back then? Also, was this maybe the debut year of the resort? Well, my son just recently discovered Full House and now he watches it almost every night. The episode you're referring to was called The House Meets the Mouse. It was a two-parter, season 6, episodes 23 and 24 that aired on May 11th and May 18th of 1993. In part one, the family takes a trip to Disney World, where they each encounter their own form of disaster. Danny cannot propose to Vicky without being interrupted. Jesse and Joey do a radio broadcast live from the bottom of a shark tank. Michelle gets to be princess for a day and delights in torturing DJ, Stephanie, and Kimmy. In part two, after Michelle runs away from DJ, Stephanie, and Kimmy, when they get frustrated with her bossiness, the girls become frantic. Meanwhile, Rebecca gets fed up with Jesse, who continues to spend all his time away from the family, and Danny struggles to find the perfect way to propose to Vicky. As far as the resort, the property opened on June 28, 1988, as the Grand Floridian Beach Resort. The name changed to Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa during the fall of 1997. This resort is gorgeous, but in my opinion, nothing tops the folly. Well, our next question comes from Marion Bettler of Seattle, Washington. She writes, "Diz Radio, I've been looking for all. I've been looking all over for a song from Aladdin. I had the soundtrack on tape many years ago, and I swear the lyrics in the opening number were different than those on the DVD. 
as well as any CD release of the opening number. I recall they cut off your ear. Was this changed or am I remembering something that never was? Well, the Aladdin soundtrack has had many releases in different forms. Aladdin original motion picture soundtrack was released on cassette and compact disc in October of 1992. In 1994, the soundtrack was intertwined with demos and work tapes and unreleased masters, as well as original scores in a four-disc box set entitled The Music Behind the Magic, The Musical Artistry of Alan Menken, Howard Ashman, and Tim Rice. A remastered reissue with altered lyrics and new artwork was released in 2001. A special edition reissue featuring two previously released demos and new artwork was released in 2004. The song you're referring to is Arabian Nights and you are correct. Arabian Nights, performed by the peddler Bruce Adler, opens the film. Initially a longer composition, Howard Ashman and Alan Menken's 1990 score treatment incorporated several reprises allowing the peddler to comment on plot developments. The original lyric, where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face, received complaints from the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee and other groups upon the film and soundtrack's initial release. A new lyric, written by Tim Rice, was, Where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense, was recorded for subsequent soundtrack pressings and home video releases. The subsequent line, It's barbaric but hey, it's home, was left intact. Well, our final question this week comes from Gus of New York, and he writes, For I want to know, I love Old Yeller, and recently saw Savage Sam. Now, that was a legit sequel to Old Yeller, right? And were there any other sequels after that? Thanks for the help. Well, Old Yeller is one of my favorite Disney movies ever. I dare you not to cry. Dog movies always get to me, and this is the best one. Old Yeller is a 1957 American Family Tragedy, directed by Robert Stevenson. It stars Tommy Kirk, Dorothy McGuire, and Beverly Washburn. It's about a boy and a stray dog in post-Civil War Texas. The story is based upon the 1956 Newbery Honor winning book Old Yeller by Fred Gibson. Gibson also co-wrote the screenplay with William Tunberg. The success of Old Yeller led to a sequel, Savage Sam, which was also based on a Gibson book. Savage Sam is a 1963 film based on the novel of the same name. Norman Toker directed the film. Savage Sam was the son of Old Yeller. The film received poor reviews and fell short of box office expectations, paling in comparison with Old Yeller. I'm sure this is why there was only one sequel, and I'm sure no one can dispute that Old Yeller is a far better film. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions. Keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads... Laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. Oh, I come from a land, from a faraway place, where the caravan camels roam. Where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. When the wind's from the east and the sun's from the west and the sand in the glass is right, 
Come on down, stop on by, hop a carpet and fly to another Arabian night. Arabian nights, like Arabian days. More often than not, are hotter than hot in a lot of good ways. Arabian nights, in Arabian a fool off his guard could fall and fall hard out there on the dunes. Hey everybody, this is Stacy of Must Do Disney and VeoBuzzWeekly.com, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. It rocks! All right, LVD heads, so I'm back once again, and thank you, Aaron, for answering all those questions with I Want to Know. And remember, you can always email Aaron your questions directly, Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com, and connect up with him right there on the D-Team page on our website as well. Thank you, Aaron, for stopping in. Now, as I mentioned, we have a skeleton crew here this week, but there is no shortage of show, all of you D-heads. There is still more news hot off the D-Wire, and I am excited to head on out to Disneyland. Yes, Walt's original park, as we have Russ Flores waiting in the wings to talk with all of you D-heads. So I'm going to jump right into news here right away this week, all of you D-heads. And how about the Disney Festival of Fantasy Parade floats arriving at the Magic Kingdom this last week? That's right, the Walt Disney World Resort will introduce a new daytime parade to the Magic Kingdom this spring, one that promises to bring new stories of new fantasy land to Main Street, USA. On January 28th, the Disney Parks blog released a sneak peek video of the parade's floats arriving at the Magic Kingdom's Central Shop Storage Area. Now, the Disney Festival of Fantasy Parade is going to feature new floats, vibrant costumes, and an all-new original soundtrack that includes both familiar movie music and theme songs for the new parade. Now, in preparing for the new parade, the Walt Disney World Resort and cast members were escorted around several of the floats down the road in the middle of the night. Now, one of the highlights of the new parade is an all-new steampunk-inspired Maleficent Dragon. Now, this is one that we have posted about. Everybody is excited for it. We love steampunk and it is inspired by the 1955 animated classic, Sleeping Beauty. Now, the dragon is designed in partnership with Tony Award-winning Michael Curry, who also worked on 1999's Tapestry of Nations and the Finding Nemo the Musical. It stretches over 53 feet long. Now, also as part of the parade, Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and beloved Disney characters are going to be there as well, including Tangled, Peter Pan, The Little Mermaid, and Brave. Now, the Festival of Fantasy Parade is replacing the Celebrate a Dream Come True Parade, which closed in late of 2013. Now, speaking of Sleeping Beauty, how about this last week? Yes, January 29th, just yesterday, on this day in 1959, Sleeping Beauty premiered over 55 years ago. That's right, we were introduced to the lovely world of Aurora and Prince Philip and Maleficent, everybody's favorite villainous pixie. So that is a fantastic film, one of my favorites. I mean, I love it. It is monumental when it comes to, you know, Disney films. It is an animated classic, and I truly do love Sleeping Beauty. So to celebrate the 55th anniversary, definitely pull it out of your vault and give it a watch this week. Now, sticking with film, how about Disney's Muppets Most Wanted? Yes, they're going to hit your ride with Toyota 
for a Super Bowl first. Yes, this weekend is the Super Bowl, and I think much of our crew is probably planning for Super Bowl parties here at the D-Team, but the Muppets, Gang, and Toyota are going to take a ride into history this year, connecting up with Latinos across the country for the, the upcoming Toyota Highlander launch and the Muppets all-new big-screen adventure, Muppets Most Wanted, which is coming March 21st. Now, the team is going to appear in two 30-second ads during the Super Bowl for the all-new 2014 Toyota Highlander that will also debut on Fox Sports Deports during the historic first Spanish-language broadcast of the Super Bowl on February 2nd. Now, in each of these spots, dancing, singing, and fun-loving Muppets are going to fill up a room of eight human passengers, which is almost equivalent to a dozen Muppets, in the Toyota Highlander with plenty of room for everything, everything except boring. Now, this is a first that is going to be taking place on a variety of levels. Not only is it a Super Bowl commercial, it's also connecting with Hispanic consumers that has a long-standing priority for Toyota. So definitely check it out during the Super Bowl. It is going to be fantastic. Now, continuing on with news, let's get back to Marvel Entertainment and Feld Entertainment. Now, everybody knows Feld Entertainment because of Disney on ice, but Feld Entertainment now reveals its storyline and announced the tour dates for the larger-than-life arena spectacular Marvel Universe Live. Yes, after much anticipation, Feld Entertainment, the world's leading producer of live family entertainment that tours, has revealed details about the most ambitious live show in its history, with new information about an epic storyline and tour dates for Marvel Universe Live, featuring the most Marvel characters ever assembled in one roof. That's right, they also have announced all their tour dates and more. As they've put it, to see all the elements of this spectacular live show come together is truly incredible. The technology utilized in the show is not only going to blow your mind, it's going to take you on a whole new Marvel world like nothing fans have ever seen before. Now, Marvel Universe Live is going to launch all new innovations, set design, aerial stunts, pyrotechnics, and state-of-the-art show elements that are going to bring movies to life for you. If you want to find out more about this and read more about the storyline and the tour dates, definitely check it out at MarvelUniverseLive.com. Now, in closing out news here this week of you D-Heads, we have Russell Flores in the wings waiting for us here at the show. How about Songwriting with Walt? Behind the scenes of Disney classics in Moose. Yes, the new movie Saving Mr. Banks is critically acclaimed and it's a look behind the scenes and story of the timeless childhood movie Mary Poppins. Now, the new movie is shining the spotlight of the Sherman Brothers and the songwriting duel who wrote the score for Mary Poppins as well as many other Disney classics. I have not shied away from boasting about the Sherman brothers here on the show ever before but robert b sherman is bringing his true story to light in his autobiography moose chapters from my life now sherman holds nothing back in the candid book from the horrors he saw at the front lines of world war ii to his successful career alongside walt disney in the 1960s and beyond now after sherman's death in 2012 his son robert j sherman who is going to be stopping here on the show very soon as well finished editing his father's final words with the certainty that, that they would inspire the same passion at, that his songs have done for more than 40 years. As they have mentioned, I grew up immersed in the magic and creativity of my father's bohemian world, said Sherman, who is following in his father's footsteps as a successful songwriter. This book gives readers the sincere, complete picture of the man who wrote the soundtrack to our childhood. Now, Moose is a collection of over 54 chapters divided into seven sections. Now, this is fantastic. It's a great read. I had a chance to read it. And, you know, pick it up for yourself. Get an inside look. 
So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to wrap up news here this week. We have a lot of fun things on the horizon. We're going to visit Disneyland with Seen Unseen Disneyland as Robert Flores is going to be stopping in very shortly as well. So before I let you go, I do want to mention all of you D-heads, get connected here at the show. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and more, and drop us a line here at the show. We want to hear from you. We want to hear you on the show. Leave us those voicemails and hear yourself here on the show. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to heat up my coffee here. And when we come back, we're going to have seen Unseen Disneylands here at the show. Be right back, all of you D-heads. It's time to venture to California. Hi, folks. I'm Michael Eisner. We're just waiting for the host of our show, Tony Danza. He should be here any moment now. Hi, folks. How are you today? Hi. You didn't happen to see Tony Danza, did you? No. Ever been to Disneyland before? Oh, yes. In fact, I have a snapshot of our first visit. Christine Graff and Michael Schwartner. You were the first guest 35 years ago on this very spot. Now, that is impressive. Hey, Michael. Well, Tony, come on. Whoops, I got to go introduce our host. Have a good time at Disneyland. Stand you around. There he is. Tony. All the birds sing words and the flowers croon in the ticky, 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 ticky room.
Tiki Room. Hi, this is Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. We're going in. Sir, the ship is in absolutely no condition to go into battle. I thought we'd begin by cleaning up Hooter's bunk. Rust, fucking Hooter! Listen, the command considers us a bunch of losers. But we're gonna do it right this time because we're the best. We don't, we'll be drummed out of the core. We won't let you down this time, we're sir. We're gonna do it right. That's right. We'll be perfect, sir. By the book. <laughs> okay. Captain, there's something weird out there. A patrol ship. I thought so. Maybe we can outrun. <laughs> Lights, camera, action! It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest! Alright, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And with us here this week, as we uncover all the magic and memories from all those things from your lifetime of Disney, one of those is how about Disney in your hands? Now, when you go to the parks, there's a variety of different things you remember, whether that's Cinderella's Castle, Sleeping Beauty's Castle, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and all those fond memories. And one of those ways that you can relive those memories is by having it in the palm of your hand. And with us here this week is the author, the founder, the man behind Seen and Unseen Disneyland. We have none other, yes, you have him here, none other than Russell Flores with us. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really honored to be here with all the high-caliber guests that you've had on before and the little sneak peek you gave me into what's coming up. I'm just really honored to be on to your show. Oh, it is our pleasure having you on. You know, you talk about the high caliber guests. Well, you're up there with that because, you know, without all those guests and all those people, there would be no Disneyland as well. And, you know, you've uncovered that. So I guess before we jump into uh, the book and all that kind of fun stuff with you, I guess guess what started your love of Disney and and how did it all begin? Uh, Well, like most people with Disneyland, it started with me as a kid. Uh, my mother, I used to live in the central coast of California, which is about three hours away from Disneyland. So every three-day weekend, we'd drive down to Disneyland and uh, spend the weekend down there. And, of course, one of the days was Disneyland. And I just have always loved Disneyland since then. So it's been pretty much just that ongoing love is all of us. You know, it's just uh, as a kid, it's embedded in your system. And, uh, you, you know, you've probably one of those people out there like many of us where you, you feel you know you know the places better than anyone else that's in your uh, social circle. Oh, yeah. Um, everyone that I know whenever they, uh, you know, they're going to Disneyland or or they have a question – you know, it's, hey, uh, you got to go see Russ because he goes to Disneyland a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I guess with that over the years, too, you know, Disneyland has changed so much. You know, before, before we uh, jump into the book here, I guess looking back at those uh, golden age of uh, Disneyland and all that kind of fun, we all have our, our favorite moments, you know, and I'm one of those that's uh, sad to see some of the other things go, like the country bears and all that kind of fun stuff. Is there any, I guess, one thing from Disneyland's history and past that you wish you could bring back into uh, today's society? Um, there's actually many <laughs> of those things that I would like to bring back. And uh, to, just to narrow it down to, to three, let's say, um, the people mover is probably the biggest. I, I really used to enjoy the people mover. Um, I also liked uh, Carousel of Progress and, of course, Country Bear Jamboree. Jamboree. And I was very sad that it was gone. And, you know, when I started taking my own child that she wasn't going to get to see it. But, of course, when we took her to Disney World, we got to see it there. So at least she got to see what it looked like. Definitely. You know, and, you know, I think we all have those lists of uh, what we would call our short list that quickly becomes 10. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess with the book, um, you know, seen, unseen Disneyland, you know. Now, the one thing that most people just glancing at this are going to think is that it's a it's the kind of book that's going to expose something or teach you something different. Now, the one thing that I have to say that is different is it's not about that. It's about enhancing your experience, the little nuances, the things that you may overlook. I guess, what was the inspiration uh, for the book and what made you realize, all right, now how am I going to put this all down and uh, what's important, what's going to make it in and all that kind of fun stuff? Well, you know, I, I've never really thought of myself as, as a know-it-all for Disneyland, but I've always thought that I know quite a bit about Disneyland. And back in about 2005, I was at Disneyland with my family. Um, they had gone on ahead to Thunder Mountain, and I was trying to catch up. Um, and I noticed this lady throwing garbage in a garbage can. And I've seen those garbage cans probably thousands of times, like you have at, at the Disney parks. And, you know, you see them, you use them, you pass by them, you never think about them. But for some reason on that particular day, it dawned on me that that trash can was themed to belong where it was. It it belonged in uh, Frontierland with the wood paneling or, you know, simulated wood paneling that they had put on the outside to make it look like it belongs. It, not so much that you didn't notice it, but enough that it wasn't just some big, ugly green or gray or black trash can. And so I popped a quick picture of it, um, went on to catch up with my family. The picture was completely framed wrong. Um, you know, it was just, like I said, a quick picture that I, I just quickly shot it's actually the first picture in the book, um, and if you get the book, you'll see that it's completely framed wrong. But I felt it was important to include that picture because that was the start of, of the whole thing. The rest of the day, I kept looking at the other trash cans and taking pictures of them, and it kind of became a family joke because every time I was taking a picture, the family didn't know what I was doing. And so my daughter, who was about five at that time, you know, Mom, he's doing it again, you know, taking pictures. Who takes pictures of trash cans? You know, so they 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 already knew I was crazy, but you know that was just you know positive confirmation that I was crazy, and um, so then I started um, looking at other things on that trip and looking in different directions and looking at different things, looking up, looking down, and just looking for those little things that I had seen all those times for all those years, but really hadn't noticed consciously, um, but they were the things that that helped make your experience better at Disneyland. They help make the experience more fulfilled or filling, you know, fill in all those little nuances and, and little details that your mind catches, but you're not necessarily aware that your mind is catching. Definitely. You know, and that's the kind of thing where it adds to the experience. And, you know, when you're an Imagineer or, you know, myself, I'm a designer for a living too. It's like when you feel like you've done your job right, when it kind of goes unnoticed, but at the same time, it's not unnoticed because it adds to the realism. It adds to the effect. And, you know, like you said, even with the trash cans, if they weren't there and they were just your standard wire basket, people would notice that more than how they are, you know, entrenched into each land. Right. And and it's, it's all those details that they take the extra time to do. Um, you can go to a lot of other theme parks and, you know, there's a lot of wonderful theme parks. I, I'm not a theme park basher by any means. But you don't have the level of detail with most parks that you have with Disneyland. And, and even with those other parks, maybe a portion might be, you know, themed to the extreme. 
but not the whole thing. Everything at Disneyland, they always take that little extra step to make it just that much more better. You know, when it goes beyond just the garbage cans, because, you know, like you said, there are people out there like us who, who are, we're nuts. You know, we're the kind of people where, you know, you're taking pictures of things and, and you know, even the, the average person that's attending a Disney park is kind of standing there and looking at you like, what is that guy taking a picture of? And, you know, is that your goal for the book where, you know, you know, people like us who we love Disney, we're going to enjoy the book. But also, you know, people, it's their first trip or second trip. They can look at this book, to, you know, and they go to Disneyland and they're going to enhance it even more and realize, wow, there's a lot more to this than, you know, cartoons and rides. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of emails and a lot of Facebook contacts from people who, um, Use it for first-time trips to, like, encourage their kids, get them excited. Um, they use it for finding out new things that they've been there for a while. You know, they've been going for years. But, um, you know, like anything, sometimes families, when they do the same thing over and over and over, they, they might get a little bored. This gives them something new to look forward to and look for. Um, I get a lot of people saying that that they take the book and look for the things. Um, and I've even had one family that made it an, into a game where they – um, didn't look at the writing. They would just look at the picture, and then they would try and figure out where that was. And then once they found it, then they would read about it while they were there. And they did that on their trip. And so I thought that was really fun. Definitely. You know, and that's the kind of thing where I could see a, a nice, uh, you know, third or fourth print of this where you have a nice little, uh, you know, pull out a, a seen unseen bingo in the back. There you go. I didn't think about that because I am working on the second book right now. So maybe I could do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and going going through the book and all the different things and all the different photos, um, are there any, you know, in the book that are your absolute favorites that, you know, you look at them now and you're like, that is just the best little nuance every time I go to Disneyland that, you know, it's never going to get old. You know, maybe it's your, your screensaver, your desktop picture. Who knows? You know, I don't know if I actually have an actual favorite one. Um, I find them interesting for different reasons you know like like the pictures of the old attractions uh the ride vehicles from old attractions that are being used for new things or when you come across a movie prop and then learning about that movie or or remembering seeing that movie you know as a kid or a young adult um even pieces of old attractions you know all of those little things each one is unique in its own way um i i think if i had to pick one It'd probably be the trash can that that got me even started noticing these things and stopping to take the time to look and then take the time to to do research at home and then go back to the park and find them. Um, I I spend a lot of time looking for things and and getting books and reading them and and finding you know bits and pieces here and there where they talk about something and then go back to the park and and take pictures of it. Um, which fortunately for me with Disneyland you know is easy because we go a couple times a year at least. It would be more difficult with something like Walt Disney World where we only go every few years. But um, all those little details just, just fascinate me. And and even down to stuff like the urban legends where like the spike on the backside of the Disneyland castle for years and years and years. I thought this when I was a kid and, you know, I, I read about it and it reminded me that, that people think that that's the, the geographic center of Disneyland on opening day. Um it's not. It's an urban legend, like like many things. Um, and and if you get a map of Disneyland and look at it, then um, you can see it's not. And then some people have said, well, yeah, but now it is. Even today, it's still not the geographic center. It, it's it's well off. It it'd be well more towards the partner statue, even by today's standards. Um, but 
it, just those little things, those those interesting little things where people talk about and you th- think maybe it is an urban legend, and then you go there and you find out it's not, like the, the time castle um, that they put in front of the uh, Sleeping Beauty's castle. Um, there actually is one. There's a marker there and, and the pictures in the book of that um, where you think, oh, that's just a legend. Why would they ever do that? But they actually did do that. That one wasn't a legend. So all that stuff just really fascinates me. Well, you know, and it's those little things too. Like, like I agree with you. It, it fascinates you, you know, and reading your book and looking through the book, you know, you cover a lot of those things where, you know, having the marker and the little nuances like that where, you know, I guess you don't even have to be a Disney geek. You know, it's one of those things where somebody might say, uh, that's for all you Disney weirdos out there or, you know, the fellow D heads that are listening here. But, you know, I have to say it's for everybody because it's no different than when you're looking through a history book or watching a behind the scenes feature on a Blu-ray and, you know, paging through your book. It's kind of like that. You're uncovering all these, you know, great little nuances that you may never have noticed before. And I know when we've paged through the book, there was stuff that, you know, we're looking through it and I'm like, wait, where was that again? And it's just a fantastic little gem that I think you tapped onto that I'm surprised that you were one of the first people that have ever done this, that nothing like this existed before. Well, you know, when I first started, you know, getting into that and taking these pictures and, you know, it was two or three years that I took pictures like this and researched stuff like that and and took all these pictures, but it, it hadn't really formulated in my mind to be a book yet. And then after a couple of years, you know, I had so many pictures, I started thinking, I, w- I wonder if this could be a book. So I started looking for other books like this to see how they had done it. Um, and, of course, there are books that have pieces in them. You know, they might have a chapter on it. They might have a few paragraphs on it. But there were no books that were actually based on the details and and why those details are there. Um, you know, I've, I've had, uh, you know, a couple people complain that, well, you, you misled me because I thought this was a behind the scenes. And, you know, very clearly in the opening uh, in the foreword of the book, I, I open with this is not a, a tell-all book like so many other books. It's it's not a book to show you stuff that they didn't mean for you to see. I, I have a lot of pictures like that, and I will never publish them, um, such as I, I was on Space Mountain one time with my family where there was a sequencing error, and they stopped all the rides, and they turned all the lights on, and you know, out comes my camera and I'm taking, you know, 50 pictures of the inside of Space Mountain with no lights on, with all the lights on. And, but I I would never publish those because that's not the way it's meant to be seen. It's cool to see it, but it's not the way it's meant to be seen. This is the stuff that you're meant to see. But again, you're just maybe not conscious of it. And it's for the love of Disneyland. And so when I started finding out there was no book about this, I started thinking maybe this could be a book. And that's when I started actually in about 2007, 2008, started actually putting this into, you know, an idea of a book and then actually starting out by, you know, putting it into a program and start developing it into a book. Um, I, I use InDesign for, for mine, but, um, you know, there's a lot of good programs out there. Um, and And it started, you know, building itself at that point where, you know, once you come up with the chapters and the structure, you start putting these pictures in and it just started building itself to the point where eventually I had to stop myself and say, you know, you could work on this forever and this could be a 5,000 page book. But, you know, by that time, you're going to be so old, you can't publish it anymore. So, so I I eventually had to stop myself and, um, you know, start actually getting serious about it being a book. Um, I, I was very fortunate 
where um, I, I contacted Dave Smith of the Disney Archives, uh, formerly of the Disney Archives, um, which I guess I should give the disclaimer here like you give at the end of your show. Um, this is not an official Disney publication. I'm not affiliated with the Disney company. This is not a, a Disney publication by any means. This is all self-published, and I don't speak for the Disney company in any way. But um, I was fortunate enough to get a hold of Dave Smith, um, and um, after going through a copyright review with the uh, Disney company, um, he was kind enough to take a look at it and um, of course, on the back of the book is the comment he gave me after he took a look at it, and that really gave me the confidence to take that next step and commit into actually doing a book because when someone like Dave Smith would take the time to look at it and then say such a nice thing about it, um, you know, I, I, it was set then that it had to be a book. The the kind of thing that I really appreciate, like you said, is you know taking a million photos on Space Mountain. And, you know, your book is the things that are intended to be seen. And that's one of the things that I truly appreciate. And I'm glad there is another individual out there who feels the same as me because there's so much propaganda and people who want to expose everything and all the nuances. And, you know, I think people forget that. How about just experiencing the magic, the fun, the excitement? And that's, you know, that's what your book is doing. And that's what we try to do on this show. And, you know, I just got to say, I love that there's another person out there that feels the same way. Well, thank you. I mean, I I was very excited about this book. I'm very excited about the next one I'm working on. Um, I, in the first book, I kind of explained with the uh, forward why I did the book. Um, in the second book, the forward's going to be more geared towards why did Disney put all of those extra details in there. I mean, it costs a lot of money to do all those extra details. Um, would it have really mattered um, if he hadn't? I think it would. I think it's what makes Disney Disney. Um, he he always strive to be better. Um, with with my book, I'm I'm you know striving to make it the best I can. Um, there there are so many things you know where I want to make this thing the best it can be, and you know you run into little glitches here and there, and and you try and fix those as you go along. But you know you just like Disney kept plussing Disneyland and they keep plussing Disneyland today, you know, I keep trying to make the book better and I'll make the next book even better, hopefully. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of inspired not only me, but probably you and a lot of other people that, you know, good enough isn't necessarily good enough. You got to do the best you can. And, you know, maybe the best you can is not what you think is the best you can. You know, Disney was very good about taking people, out of their comfort zone and saying, you know what? Yeah, you've been drawing cartoons for years and years, but I think you can design a ride. I want you to design this ride or I want you to, to you know, like with Bob Gurr, you know, he was uh, a designer for, for body styles, but he, you know, made him design the entire vehicle and then ultimately entire rides such as the Matterhorn. And he wasn't trained for that, but Disney saw something in him and, you know, he found out, hey, you know, I can be more you know, as the army says, you know, be more than you can be all that you can be. Um, so, you know, those things just, you know, they lend not only to your love of Disney, but, you know, other things in your life where they can help you, you know, strive to be a little better. In doing so with your books and, you know, working on a sequel and all that kind of fun stuff, you know, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. And how about uh, what is your favorite detail from Main Street USA? Main Street USA. Hmm. You know, I think if I if I just off the top of my head, 
and just sticking with the ones that are in the book now, not to give anything out from the, the next one that's coming up, um, I would probably pick the base of the flagpole because that just fascinated me that that base of the flagpole used to be a streetlight. I believe it was Wilshire Boulevard, but don't quote me on that particular part. But it was from Los Angeles uh, where one of the Imagineers was driving one day and, and saw a traffic accident and saw this traffic or the streetlight that was all mangled. But he thought it was so beautiful in the base of it that he made arrangements to buy it, and it's now the base of the flagpole there on Main Street, USA. Very good. That's a that's a good one. Now, all right, yeah, you know, here's a here's another one. Then, I got to do my second favorite land here, Adventureland. Ah, uh, Adventureland. Let me think about that one. You know, um, it would probably be all the details. Um, Actually, let me take that back. I was going to say uh, Tarzan's Treehouse, but you know what? I, I think the one that, that gets me is um, the eucalyptus tree that's there that was from the original family that owned the property. Um, it's the oldest living thing that's there at Disneyland um, and was there when the house used to be in that area. Um, Disney promised to, to leave it standing, and even today it's still there. Um, it's in the book, and it... They actually, when they redesigned the queue area for the Jungle Cruise, you know, they made that large building with the upstairs-downstairs queue area. That building actually wraps around the tree slightly so that they wouldn't have to take it out or move it. Um, so th that really fascinated me about that particular area, that, that there was something there. You know, you know there was plants and stuff, but to be able to stand there and look at something that was there before Disneyland was even a thought... Um, just kind of amazes me that 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 was there still definitely you know and that's the kind of thing like you said it's it's the oldest thing there's something amazing about you know you built this park and this kingdom all around you know one thing that is still there was there from the beginning now i guess uh with your book seen unseen disneyland you know what we're talking about here uh you're working on the second book now when it came time to publish that's going to be my uh, a question that i'm going to go through did you seek out publishers? Were you self-publishing right away? You know, what was your initial goal at the end as to how to make this uh, make this happen and come to fruition? And now it's been you know so popular that you know they've had to restock it on Amazon and it's a huge seller during Christmas. You know, did this catch you off guard that it was going to be so popular? Um, it did. You know, to to start with, when I first started looking at publishing, um, I wrote. I don't know, a dozen, two dozen letters um, to all sorts of different companies. Basically, I went into all my Disney books and looked for the publishing address in the front, you know, because each book usually has them, and then just wrote them letters. Um, some of them kindly declined, you know, with we don't accept unsolicited work. Some of them didn't respond at all. Some of them just said no. Um, but basically, I, you know, I couldn't get any traction that way. So then I started looking at the self-publishing companies, which there's lots of them out there, um, they they can run pretty expensive, and it's a pretty big commitment. Um, but like I said, Dave Smith kind of really motivated me. So I was thinking, you know, I, I'm willing to commit to this um, and, and some finances to it, not outrageous finances, but finances. And so I started looking at stuff, and, and I found one company that, that at first seemed pretty good, and ultimately I ended up uh, breaking my relation with them because it just wasn't working out. Um, and obviously not going to give any names there, but it, it just didn't work out for me with that particular company. Um, I had a couple other companies I was looking at, um, but then I went to um, uh, another podcast get-together there at Disneyland, 
And while I was there, I met one of their guests, uh, David Smith, not to be confused with Dave Smith. Uh, David Smith did the books In the Shadow of the Matterhorn and the Hidden Mickey uh, fantasy series. And um, he and I got to talking, and you know, I was kind of picking his brain and stuff. And, and he goes, oh, I'd like to see it. And I happened to have it on, on my iPod – or iPad, I'm sorry – and I showed it to him, and, and he really became interested in it. And he goes, well, you know I'm a publisher too, right? And I said, I had no idea at that point. And at that point, I was still with my uh, self-publishing company. So um, the company and I kind of had a falling out. So um, I contacted Dave. He said he was interested, and he helped me get into the print. You know, um, He brought the price way down um, from its original cost. Um, uh, I, I've got got a uh, obviously I've got a non-disclosure, but I mean I, I've got a really good deal with him for the for the books, and he picked it up. He did all the work. He gets it in the pipeline. He gets it to the Amazons and the Barnes and Nobles and and all that good stuff. And found a wonderful printer where it came out really great. So um, you know I had a lot of stumbling blocks at the beginning, but you know again, like Disney said, if if, if you want to get something done, you got to keep working at it and fortunately you know the tiki gods aligned themselves and and it finally became a book uh in december of uh 2012 um we we got the books in about a week before um the actual official release date i was fortunate enough where i was going to be at disneyland the date that i wanted to actually release it and the person who had been the first person on my waiting list on facebook i created a, a waiting list and uh, she was going to be there. So we actually, on Walt Disney's birthday, I did the first official sale right there in front of Sleeping Beauty's Castle. Um, she bought the book, and you know, I, we exchanged, and that's where it ended and started into to sales from being, being a you know, work in progress to actually being a, a real book and sales. And like I said, you know, it's gone on to be continuously popular now and, you know, selling out, having to restock. And now with the follow-up, um, you know, because of such high demand and, you know, you're currently working on that, are you going to have, uh, I guess, can you guesstimate any kind of release date that you're looking for for a follow-up? Or are we still, you know, just a year away, years away, or, uh, you know, you're not sure yet? Actually, I'm kind of shooting a goal for this summer. Uh, um, I would like to have it out by july august of course I, i'm not at a point yet where i can give a definitive date but that's kind of my goal in my mind um like i said right now i'm working on on the forward uh or the introduction i'm sorry for for the new book um once i get that done um the picture part should start falling into place fairly quickly um one of the things i have noticed is um there's probably about a dozen or so pictures that i need um the pictures I had are not the quality I want, or I just plain haven't gotten the picture yet. So probably in the next month or so, I'm going to take just a, a trip by myself, uh, a two-day trip down there, just to concentrate on taking pictures um, and get those last few pictures shot. So hopefully I can have the book done by this summer. Um, and, you know, of course, then it, it's up to it, – it takes a couple months to actually get a book from when you're in the final version to where you actually print it. It takes a couple months to get it in hand, um, that whole process, because the, the book goes to the printer. The printer, you know, does – well, you know all this stuff. They, they put it into their format, then they send you a proof, and then you send back the corrections. And then once everything's approved, then they start printing. Um, depending on where it's printed, then it's got to be shipped. And 
that can take a while because you know they they usually ship that the slowest way they can. Um, I think you know like being here from California, if I had it printed in New York, I think they'd send it like to Paris and then China and then over here or something like that. I I think there's some rule about you have to go the opposite way around the the world or something. You can't go the short distance, but no, I'm just joking. It, it does take a little while to get that. Um, we're fortunate here with with this book. Um, we kind of got caught off guard by how how well it sold over Christmas, and so uh, the publisher's working with us to to expedite getting that in, um, hopefully before Amazon runs out. But uh, I have a feeling Amazon's going to run out for at least a couple weeks. There's probably going to be a couple week gap there um, where they run out and and it's not available for a short period. Well, you know that has to feel good knowing that it is so popular, and you know I know I know all of your fans out there and everybody that's read the book and um, you know it has gotten it for Christmas presents and all that kind of fun stuff. I know that they're going to be excited for a follow up book. Um, you know, no matter how long the process takes, you know they're really going to enjoy it. Now, you know, being in a digital age, I'm sure you've been asked this many many times. Um, you know, are we going to see iPad versions, Android versions, any mobile versions that uh, you know? somebody's out there and they don't want to carry a hard copy sometimes they just want to toss it on their phone or or their ipad and walk around the park are we going to see that in the near future possibly for the first book um probably not um my first book i actually went through a copyright review and i have an agreement with disney over how it's to be published and the current agreement doesn't allow for that um the second book um that's a possibility for the second book um we're looking into that um, doing things a slightly different with the second book um, that will allow for that. But the the first book, because of, of the copyright review and my agreement with Disney, and um, I think Disney has been more than fair with me, and I have no intention of, of you know breaking any of the agreements with them. Um, I, I think it was, it was more than fair, and, and they actually helped me quite a bit. Um, with it, um, not not making the book, but be because they they um, were kind enough to do a copyright review for me. Um, it gave me the opportunity to talk to um, people about my book that otherwise wouldn't be allowed to look at it. Um, so, um, unfortunately, for the first book, probably not. Um, but like I said, the second book, we're definitely looking at that as a possibility. I, I get a lot of requests actually about that because they would like to carry it instead of carrying a book and. Um, not so much the book because the book size was actually part of the intent for that size is that you could carry it if you want but most people complain they don't want to damage it they you know they have their iPad or their iPhone anyway so they could carry it and still have it as a reference but not damage their book at home Definitely, you know, and that's, you know, I get into that kind of situation all the time. Just, I love my printed library at home, but if I can get a digital copy of something, I go ahead and do it. Now, um, you know, I guess, you know, we've explored a variety of different things, you know, uh, portions of your book, uh, the sequel, all that kind of fun stuff. So I guess, you know, stepping aside from there just for a couple of moments and just talking Disneyland, I guess, what is your one favorite fondest memory that you can recall from Disneyland, whether that's recent years with your daughter, when you were a child, is there that one moment in your life where you still look back and it's that uh, that magical memory that just there's something about it that sticks with you? It would be our second trip that I took with my daughter. Um, we went in uh, spring break of 2003, and it was a fun trip. Don't don't get me wrong. We went with some other people. We had a great time. Um, and after that, my wife and I were talking about it, and we were saying, you know, 
you know, I got to go a lot. She didn't get to go as near as much as I did because she was raised in the Bay Area, but she has very fond memories as a child, and we wanted that for our child to make sure that we went on a regular basis. And uh, we started reading about it, and they talked about Christmas at Disneyland. So we ended up going the first week of December that year in 2003, and we just had the best time. You know, it was all magical for her. Um, Santa was there. The princesses were there. Um, she just had the most wonderful time, um, to see her face. Um, I, one of my most favorite pictures is she, um, was standing there wanting to see Jasmine and Aladdin and they came back from break, um, and they kind of came up behind her and we pointed and we said, well, there's Jasmine and she turned and she just, you know, um, uh, home alone, you know, that where he puts his hands on his face and does the scream, um, she did that, and, you know, a very similar, you know, oh, my gosh. And just that look on her face and that expression uh, was just so wonderful. And then also on that same trip, um, she, we, we were waiting for Cinderella. Um, and we got to where we were in the front of the line, and Cinderella, you know, her, her handler said, well, we've got to take a break. Cinderella came up and, and talked to her really briefly. She goes, sweetheart, I'll be right back. Um, you know, I just need to take a quick break and I'll be right back. And so she went and took her break and we waited. Um, when she came back, um, she walks up to Morgan and she goes, come with me, princess. And she puts her hand down and my daughter reached up and took her hand and walked across the bridge to the little signing area. And we were just like, cause our daughter was always good about not, not walking with strangers or wandering off and stuff. She just walked right with her and she just had this all look on her face. And actually, if you want a little secret, the front cover of the book shows a little girl walking into the castle. That's actually a picture of my daughter, and that's actually the picture of her walking with Cinderella. Um, Cinderella was obviously airbrushed out, but that is actually her walking on that particular day with with Cinderella across the bridge. And I kind of airbrushed her into that cover picture. So that would be probably my most special moment was that day where with Jasmine and Cinderella and her making me the first of many Christmas cookies. Um, I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but there at Disneyland, you can actually buy, they, they usually have two or three different styles, like a snowman and, and a Mickey Mouse with a hat on, a Christmas hat on. And they give you like two different kinds of frostings and a couple different sprinkles. And your kid can make the cookie any way they want and then give it to you to eat. And just that that whole day right there was probably my best memory of everything as a father myself as well. I mean, those are the kind of memories that I'm sure are just living, you know, in, in your mind forever. And knowing that she was on that cover now is, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, a book that you never thought was going to happen is now more popular than ever. You have your daughter on the cover, which means something to you, whether anybody else knows it or not. And, you know, just everything comes full circle and comes to a close. So, you know, in true Disney magic, the magic did happen. Oh, yeah. that It, it happened that day, and it, it happens every time we go with family. Um, sometimes we go just by ourselves. Sometimes we'll bring friends. Sometimes we meet friends down there. Um, one of the really fortunate things about this book is even if it if it didn't sell, as well as it did, it, it's opened a lot of doors for me. I've gotten to meet a lot of wonderful people, um, be on a lot of great shows like yours, um, talking with people, uh, you know, talking about my love of Disney, uh, meeting with people down at Disneyland. Um, you know, b before this, um, 
you know, things like, uh, you know, meeting other authors of other books. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a community. Um, a lot of us tend to know each other. Um, and so I've gotten to talk to a lot of people that I, I may not have been able to talk to, or if I did, you know, I wouldn't have the same confidence that I do. Um, so it, it's just opened so many doors and, and made so many more special memories for me to, to meet all these people and see all this stuff and, and, you know, uh, other, other authors, um, you know, actually, you know, like recently, um, um, you know, being mentioned in other books, um, you know, meeting other people, uh, getting on shows. It's, it's just, it's just so much, you know, Disney was already great, but it just added a little more to it. Um, so it's just been a wonderful experience, this, this whole book. Definitely. Well, you know, it was our pleasure having you on, you know, I mean, for all of our listeners out there, all of our D heads, you know, you want to make sure you check out Seen Unseen Disneyland, you know, it's a book full of wonderful things that you see at Disneyland. It's the, you know, all those little items that you never really noticed, the things to make your experience that much better, that much more magical. And, you know, Russ, uh, thank you once again for stopping in. You know, it was our pleasure. It was a journey making it happen, you know, with both of us being parents and busy lives, but we made it happen. And, you know, if anybody wants to check out your book, uh, where can they purchase at? What website can they check it out at and get their hands on a copy of this? Well, right now, the best way to get it is to go to Amazon and just search for Seen Unseen Disneyland. It, it'll, it should pop up automatically. Um, as soon as we get restocked, you'll be able to purchase it from me at my website, um, www.sudbooks.com. You can purchase it that way if you want an autographed copy. Um, I go to a lot of Disney events. Um, if you see me in a Disney event, I usually have two or three in my backpack. Um, you know, if you want a book, feel free to ask. If if you just want to say hi, feel free to come up and say hi. I, I'm always excited to talk to people about Disneyland. Um, obviously, if the event is such that they don't want that type of, of interactions going on, then, you know, obviously be true to the event. But, you know, most events, there, there's usually some opportunity there uh, to talk. And, and if you see me at the parks, come up and say hi. You know, I, I usually have a couple with me. Uh, like I said, right now I don't because we're sold out. But um, the the best way right now is Amazon. Um, I, I believe Barnes & Noble may have some still. Uh, I'm not positive about that. But um, obviously if you tried to order it, they would let you know whether they had them or not. Very cool. Well, you know, it was our pleasure having you on once again. And, uh, you know, before we let you go, I just want to say everybody needs to check it out. It's a fantastic book. You know, like you said, it's not behind the scenes. It's the kind of thing that's just going to enhance the magic for you. So thank you once again for stopping in. And I'm sure we're going to be seeing you uh, all over the boards, all over the websites, uh, all over Disneyland. And we'll be eagerly waiting for that uh, sequel book. So thanks once again. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Long before the old Model T Round about the turn of the century Folks discovered a barrel of fun Taking pictures by the light of the sun Smile, hug, look at the camera Hold your breath and say cheese Cheese, little did they realize back then They were making memories Making memories, making memories Taking pictures is
On Sunday afternoon, July 17, 1955, history was made in more ways than one. Disneyland, the most elaborate and ambitious amusement park ever built, opened to the public. But just as important, that opening was broadcast live on national television to an estimated audience of 90 million. That means almost everyone watching television that Sunday was watching this event. Television was smaller back then, long before cable TV or satellites in the 200-channel universe, and it had a powerful effect on our national consciousness. That rarely happens nowadays. There's still the occasional phenomenon, be it a Super Bowl game, Survivor, or Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. The launch of Disneyland had that kind of success. Remember, too, that this was the heyday of live television. Everything you're about to see occurred in real time, with no chance for a second take. There was no such thing as videotape then. Hey, D-heads. When you aren't enjoying Disney On Demand, head on over to DizRadio.com and listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney Player, where you can while away the hours reliving Disney classics from film, television, and the parks. What are you waiting for? Keep your hands and arms inside at all times and go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z-Radio.com. And have a magical day. 
All right, all of you D-heads, so I'm back once again, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. And I want to extend a very special thank you once again to Russell Flores for stopping in here at the show. Fantastic book. Be sure to check it out. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, you name it, Seen Unseen Disneyland. It's going to open up your eyes to an all-new world of Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom as part of Disneyland. I am excited and looking forward to that second book coming out, as well as hopefully getting an iPad version. I'm crossing my fingers for that. So thank you once again, Russell, for stopping in and chatting with all the D-heads and sharing all your magical memories from your book, your life, and more. Thanks once again. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Aaron stopping in once again as part of this skeleton crew. Thanks Aaron for stopping in and chatting with all the D-heads and adding that little bit of fun. And remember you can connect up with all the D-team on our official website at DizRadio.com. Just go to the D-team page and connect up with everybody and definitely send Aaron your questions. So all of you D-heads out there, we've had all kinds of fun here this week. We visited Walt's original park Disneyland and all kinds of fun. So since we're talking about Walt and Roy, I am going to let you in as to who our guests are here next week. But first, yes, you knew that was coming. I'm going to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the entire archives, the latest news blogs, and the latest blogs written by our D-Team, including the newest, Caitlin, to the team as well. Definitely check it out, DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. And you can always connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook. Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can follow us on Twitter, Pinterest, AOL Instant Messenger, Skype, and more. Just search Disney Blue, B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, and connect up with us all over the social media outlets, catch us online, and more. And remember to leave your shout-outs, and you may just hear yourself here on the show. So definitely connect up with all of us, all of you D-heads, at DizRadio.com. So, with all of that said, all of my rambling, we have lots of fun things coming up next week. Since we were talking about Walt Disney's original park, how about talking with Walt and Roy? Now, I know that sounds odd and crazy, but there is a new movie currently in production called Walt Before Mickey. Now, Walt Before Mickey is based on the official book and the only book that is endorsed by Walt Disney's daughter, Diane Disney Miller, and they are officially in production. And next week here at the show for show number 62, we have all kinds of fun because we have two special guests stopping in here at the show as we're going to visit the set in production for Walt Before Mickey. And who are those guests going to be? None other than John Heater. Yes, you may know him from Napoleon Dynamite, Blades of Glory, and more. He's going to be stopping in and talking about his portrayal of Roy Disney. And we also have Thomas Ian Nichols. Yes, you may know him from American Pie as Kenneth. You also know him from the Disney movies like Kid in King Arthur's Court, The Rookie of the Year, and many other films. And he is portraying Walt Disney. Now, this is fantastic. They're going to be coming to us from the set in production right now, as well as many of the producers, the directors, and more. So get ready for show number 62 here, all of you D-heads, because we have Walt and Roy stopping in here at the show. Yes, it is going to be exciting as we have John Heater and Thomas Ian Nichols stopping in here at the show. So, all VD heads, with that said, all kinds of fun, a little light here this week. And if you're having a Super Bowl party, definitely make it a blast. And if you're staying warm from that winter vortex, just uh, keep the fire roaring. So, as always, as I always say, in this busy life, as we're always busy, crazy, and all over the place, never neglect family for business. Until next week, all VD heads, I will catch you online. See you next week. Everything is great. 
Everything is grand. I got the whole wide world in the palm of my hand. Everything is perfect. It's falling into place. I can't seem to wipe this smile off my face. Life's a happy song, and there's someone by my side to sing along. When you're alone, life can be a little rough. It makes you feel like you're three foot tall. When it's just you, well, times can be tough. When there's no one there to catch your fall. Everything is great. Everything is grand. I got the whole wide world in the palm of my hand. Everything is perfect. It's falling into place. Smells like a rose With someone to paint And someone to pose Life's a piece of cake With someone to pedal Someone to break Life is full of glee With someone to saw Someone to see Life's a happy song When there's someone by my side To sing along I've got everything that I need Right in front of me Nothing's stopping me Nothing that I can't be you're right here next to me Life's a piece of cake With someone to give And someone to take Life's a piece of pie With someone to wash and someone to dry Life's an easy road With, with someone, someone beside you to share the load Life is full of highs With someone to stir And someone to fry Life's a leg of lamb With someone there to lend a hand Life's a bunch of flowers With someone to while away the hours Life's a fillet of fish Hey! Yes it is Life's a happy song With someone by your side excited. Oh, this is the most romantic thing ever. I've always dreamt of seeing Los Angeles. I know. Walter can't wait either. You don't mind that he's coming, right? Um, no. No, of course not. As long as we can spend our anniversary dinner together, that's all I ask. Let me go check on Walter. Everything's great. Everything's grand. Except Gary's always off with his friend. It's never me and him. It's always me and him and him. Wonder when it's going to end But I guess that's okay Cause maybe someday I know just how it's going to be You're at a bomb steed Get down on one knee And say, Mary, will you marry me?
there's someone by your side to sing Life's a happy song When there's someone by your side to sing Life's a happy song When there's someone by your side to sing Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.